0: On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the way taxes and inflation, as well as interest rates, can impact your retirement savings. That and more in today's podcast.
1: We're untangling financial issues. Welcome to Your Finances Untangled with Mo Param Mo is a financial advisor and partner with CloudVestor. Oh. Uh- Untangling Your Finances, Mo Param, and the team, that's what they do at Vesters and cloudvestors.com and great information on this podcast every week just to get the word out, make you aware of what you need to be aware of in your financial life no matter where you are because their clients range from those just starting out realizing they need to get a financial plan together all the way up to pre-retirement and in retirement. And in many ways, Mo, that's what we're covering because we're covering how you save now and how it could affect you later and especially in retirement.
0: That's right. Yeah. Most people think that, you know, you have to plan for retirement and make, them, and make major changes to your retirement plan as you get closer to retirement, you know, five years, 10 years, you know, we call that the retirement red zone. But in reality, the decisions that you make today, whether you're 25, 30, 35, 40, the decisions you make today will impact, you know, what your retirement income, what your retirement savings will look like down the road. So yeah, so whether you're, you know, in retirement, whether you're, you know, years and years away from retirement, we've got to be very mindful about the decisions that we make with our dollars because it will play an impact.
1: Yeah, we really do, and of course, a lot of it is, for instance, with your four hundred one k. Now, you could some you have you could have the choice of Roth four hundred one k, and we're going to get into Roth strategies here. But it's tax-deferred. So later in your life, and especially when you hit the age of 72 or when you get there, whatever the age for RMDs would be, it could be a, a, a tax torpedo. I've heard it called <laughs> a tax bomb.
0: Yeah, I call it a tax bomb. And you've got to figure out how you're going to defuse that bomb because right. it, taxes taxes can um, erode uh, your your income, your retirement plan, faster than you can think. And so what what most people aren't aware of is um, the when you're when you're making the decision of where to when you make a decision of investing and you put your dollars to work for you, subconsciously or consciously, you're making a decision based off of taxes. And what I mean by that is, you know, you mentioned a Roth 401k. So if you're fortunate enough to have a Roth 401k through your employer uh, and a traditional 401k, you'll have the option of funding one or the other. Well, which one makes the most sense for you? Well, most people will do a traditional traditional 401k. Why? Because you almost get, well, you know, not almost, you get the tax preferential treatment now, right? You get the tax deferral, meaning that the contributions that you put into those accounts, you you don't pay taxes on today. So that helps you out. Everyone's looking for tax breaks nowadays. So that helps you out today. The money in your account grows tax deferred, meaning that you don't pay any taxes as that account grows. Uh, um, continues to grow, but then when you take those account, when you take distributions from those accounts, well, everything in that account is completely taxable as income to you. Yeah. And so um, the question is, well, when you're going to be in a better tax environment? Is it today, or is it in the f- or is it when, you- or is it when you're retired? We don't know. But what I do know is that as you get older, certain things go away, right? Hopefully, your home is paid off, so you don't have that deduction really anymore. Kids are off payroll, so you don't have that. You can't uh, claim, you know, your uh, your grandmother that lives with you, you know, <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> de- unless you're de- unless she's your dependent or anything of that sort. So we start losing those those tax breaks. We start losing those deductions, and so all of a sudden, you know, you have. Social Security. Then you have these distributions from your from your from your four hundred one ks that that will be taxable to you, and so you know you you have to really be careful about about where you save, and so you know the required minimum distributions from your four hundred one ks where the government forces you to pull money out of your account at age seventy two or later. And, you know, that can, you know, between your contributions, your investment returns, your employer matches, right? These these tax liabilities can snowball over time, and you have no idea of the damage that that can do to your retirement plan.
1: And uh, currently, the RMD required minimum distribution age is 72, but, of course, Secure Act 2.0, not yet law, still in Congress Uh, Proposes to raise that. We'll have to keep an eye on that and see what happens. And before we go any further, I did want to correct one thing, if I could, here Uh, on last week's podcast. We were talking about student loan forgiveness, and I kept referencing it as uh, referring to it as uh, legislation, and I really kicked myself over that because I know better. That was not legislation. That was uh, an executive act, and I know the difference. and and so I just wanted to make that correction. Now, of course, there has been plenty of legislation and will be that you keep your eye on. But that was an executive order or act, right? The student loan. forgiveness, yeah. not legislation. Anyway, Legislation <laughs> Secure Act 2.0 is I wouldn't say stalled in Congress, but it's <laughs> it's kind of hiding. I don't know if they've got it just on the back burner right now, but Mo will keep his eye on that. But as we look at the required minimum distribution age, and again, uh, as you said, how you save for retirement now can affect you negatively or positively in the future. And also, as you correctly stated, we don't know where taxes will go. We do know that they're really low right now, and we also know that these current rates will sunset at the end of 2025. Right. So if you had to guess on it, you may guess that they could go up. You know they're low now, so this could be a good time to act. Another thing that can get you is uh, Medicare means testing. And, mm-hmm. and depending on what you take out of or with RMDs, I know like a Roth IRA, you don't have a required minimum distribution on a Roth IRA. You do want a Roth 401k. But what you take out could affect what you pay in premiums for Medicare,
0: Right. That's right. Yeah, there's a Medicare means testing, and for your Medicare Part B and for your Medicare Part D. So Part B basically takes care of your doctor visits. D takes care of your prescription drugs. So um, there's a premium you pay for these for these uh, uh, for these plans, and it's based off of your income. Now, someone may say, "Well, I'm retired. I have no income." Well, you might, right? Well, if you have Social Security, that's a form of income right? And then remember what I mentioned before, the distributions from pre-tax accounts count as income. It's not earned income, but they're count as income and they're taxed just like income. And so if you are, if your RMDs, if your accounts on these tax deferred accounts um, are snowballing, increasing over time, then the distributions that you're forced to take out, you know, obviously they may be sizable. And if they, Push you over the threshold of where your Medicare Part B premiums would have to be for just the general baseline things like 170 bucks now. Um, it, you get it. You, it's not really a penalty, but you pay more for Medicare, and so um, you can start to see that these surcharges can can increase over time, um, and so you may end up paying more for your Medicare, um, uh, your Medicare Part B and Part D, without. Even realizing it, only because you're taking distributions from your um, tax-deferred accounts that can push you to a different bracket where you're paying more for Medicare. That, this it's crazy. this crazy. It, it
1: it it really is. I mean this. It just that,
0: that, that doesn't end. That's,
1: it's awful. It doesn't end, and that's that is that is. It looks like it could be adjusted.
0: <laughs> what you know? why? But if you think about it, I mean, like you're you're, you're you've paid into Medicare, right? Right, um, and okay, I understand. I'm just thinking out loud, right? As the I'm not 65 years old, and so you're not either, right? I know. So no. I'm just thinking as someone who is, you know, getting ready to retire. You know, they've been paying a boatload for health insurance through their employer. Now they're getting ready to go on Medicare, and all of a sudden, they've done the great job of saving. You know, for, in 401ks, IRAs, and they're taking distributions to live off of. And now your Medicare premiums are going to go up only because you've done a, what, a good job saving. Right, right. And it doesn't go away, right? No, no. As long as, you know, that the, the thing is, right, it's the reco- your required minimum distributions are based off of your um, portfolio balance. Mm-hmm. So if you have great returns in the market then that's good for you, right? But then that just means that your required minimum distributions will be larger because you have better returns.
1: Not to mention, as we saw last year, Medicare premiums are, can be raised every year. So, you know, last year we had the, what, 5.9% COLA I right. believe. And uh, it wasn't even didn't even keep pace with inflation. But then also we had Medicare premium increases. And did we talk about this last week or was it someone else I was talking with about you know where I would read uh, that part of the reason that uh, what it was attributed to that large Medicare premium increase last year was the projected cost of that Alzheimer's drug, which now from what I've read, it's not going to cost what they thought. I don't think they're going to cut anybody checks, but I wonder if maybe now that they look back on that, could the Medicare premium increase in twenty twenty three maybe not be as high?
0: I didn't hear that. That's interesting. I'll keep my eyes out.
1: Check that out because I yeah I was reading that, and and what what I was reading is that it could play a role in what could be the Medicare premium increase for twenty twenty three. Now, this was also legislation—the original Secure Act.
0: <laughs> and, oh yes, and <laughs> the original one. <laughs> how,
1: if you could explain how one part of that concerning IRAs uh, affected the strategies that you need to put in place now on behalf of your
0: heirs? So, prior to the Secure Act, um, there was something called a stretch stretch IRA, and what that was is if you inherited. Uh, tax deferred. Well, actually, if you inherited, yeah, tax deferred money, IRAs, four hundred one ks from a non-spouse. Well, actually, from anyone, uh, spouse, non-spouse. Um, you had your lifetime to. You had. You were required to take distributions uh, annually. So those RMDs, you had to take distributions out, but you were able to to take the distributions out throughout your entire life. So you were able to stretch. The distributions throughout your entire life. Well, what happened with the Secure Act is now if you are inheriting a same types of accounts, uh, IRAs, 401ks, if you're inheriting them from a non-spouse, so mother, father, brother, uncle, aunt, whoever, non-spouse, you have you no longer can stretch it throughout your entire life. You have 10 years to, to liquidate that account or those accounts. And so, you know, when you think about You know, the the normal person, the average person who receives a a inherited, a non-spouse inherited IRA, it's usually, you know, someone in their late 50s, maybe early 60s, right? A parent passes away uh, and you inherit that account. Well, guess what you're doing in your late 50s, early 60s? you're earning, you're probably your prime earning. Year. Right, you're making the most po- possibly ever or more than right. likely ever. More than likely. So now you're, you, the tax burden is more on you because remember these accounts you got to pay taxes on. Um, and so you're going to be paying probably the high, the more more in taxes because one, you have 10 years to do it in your prime earning years. And um, that's just, a, again, another tax bomb that can hit. Now it's not impacting you, it's impacting your heirs.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But if it's a Roth, then the they would still have to liquidate in in a 10-year period, but it's Roth, so they don't have the but tax burden. Yeah.
0: Right, right. So sometimes when we start looking at clients um, uh, when we when we start forecasting their retirement. Now this now this is really for clients that are in retirement. We start forecasting, okay, well if you're, let's take a look at, you know, first and foremost, what's making sure that your life is taken care of, that we have enough income coming in from you, uh, for you, your assets are taken care of to make sure that you are taken care of. But let's see what the impact is for your heirs. Because, you know, if we start looking at tax assets, at your assets in a taxable way, you know, you could have, you know, I'm just gonna throw random numbers out. Hundred thousand dollars in taxable accounts are going to go to your to go to your 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 son or daughter, um, you know, half a million. Uh, let's just say half a million dollars in tax deferred. That's going to be all taxable to your um, to your heirs mm-hmm. and zero tax free and tax free assets right. going to your heirs. Wow. So maybe the strategy should could be that should be but could be, you know, if you're all taken care of, your income is satisfied, is all taken care of. Should we start looking at ways to transition and um, these tax-deferred accounts to a tax-free account for your, for your uh, heirs? You know,
1: we've talked about buckets, bucketing strategies here in terms of having an emergency bucket, a safety bucket, and a growth bucket. But there's also another, you just said it, a bucketing strategy of having taxable, pre-tax, and tax-free.
0: Yeah, yeah, taxable. Pre-tax, tax-free. You know, those are the those are the three ways your assets can be taxed. Taxable means that it's taxed basically on an annual basis, uh, or, or it can be taxed on an annual basis. Pre-tax means you get you, you're funding it pre-tax, tax deferred, and taxed later on, and then tax-free is taxed now and never taxed again. So, in addition to to setting up your investments, diversifying your investments, whether it's you know stocks and bonds. Uh, whether it's international, domestic, uh, whether it's you know growth, balance, whatever it may be, tax defer, tax um, diversification is another way for you to start looking at taking advantage of your assets. You want to there is when we start looking at this because this is all about distribution in some areas, mm-hmm. right? Um, we want to solve for your income during retirement, but if we have these three different buckets of assets, then We're able to be more strategic in how to deliver your income because we're taking advantage of some of your income can be tax-free, which is beautiful, right? Because you're already getting – because it can help. I already told you what the impact of taxes can be for your Medicare uh, premiums and your RMD. So if we have some of your income that's tax-free, that's huge. Um, And then – so it's all about part of your liquidation strategy of having three different accounts – to strategize ways to deliver you, your income, but also to transfer it to your, to your heirs.
1: This, this conversation has been perfect in displaying what you do at Cloud CloudVestors and helping people in all stages of their financial life, because you've covered what you do now earlier in your life, how it can affect not only you in your retirement, but then your heirs beyond. Um, and so it's you know really a good look at that in the strategies.
0: Yeah, it's 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 planning. Right. And then, you know, some, you know, when we when we're competing with other advisors for, you know, for clients and, you know, I hear what they're they're either their current advisor doing or an advisor that is proposed, uh, you know, working with them. You know, I, I talk about planning, you know, what's the plan? What's you know, how do they make the recommendations for X, Y, Z? You know, what's the strategy behind, you know, this product that you're in? And you'd be amazed about the blank stares that I receive sometimes, because they just they haven't really, they don't have a plan around it, right? They just know they they have statements. and, it's, and I say all the time a statement or statement not a plan. It's not a plan. Yeah, you know, a plan is you know you you have in that you have uh, complete confidence of why you're doing why you're what you're doing why you aren't doing what you're not doing, and, and literally how you know, how everything works together. That's the plan. And your plan can change and will change as your life changes. And so so that's the, you know, so when we're planning, we're planning on the way you save, the way you're gonna take income out from your retirement accounts, the way you're gonna transfer assets to your to your uh, to your heirs and, and much more. Maybe I mean, I think a lot of advisors, I'll tell you this much, if you asked an advisor about, you know, Medicare, uh HSAs, you know, they're, they're not going to know anything about that because mm-hmm. they're looking, you know, pretty much at, you know, your assets, your investments right. and growing. They're right. doing a good job growing it. But when you start looking at how how does it work within your plan, I think most that's the disconnect between some of financial advisors and, and, and the clients. Well, and, and
1: and they are looking at the now. And, and I mean, there's a need for that, and, and no doubt. But there's also a need for a, a fiduciary firm that does look ahead. And not just looking ahead for your retiree clients, uh, but looking ahead for your all your clients knowing that day will come for them. The cloudvestors.com, you can learn more about this firm that does combine the ease and convenience of virtual planning and meetings with the human touch. By the way, I mentioned, uh, I, I saw this, on, I found this on the Hill uh, just now, so credible site. Um, Health and Human Services Secretary, announced, and this is an article from May of this year, announced that Medicare premiums would be adjusted for 2023 following a report that found the cost of including a new Alzheimer's medication into the program had been overestimated. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that, you know, what the premiums will be.
0: They'll probably go up, but just not as much as they, <laughs> they anticipate. Maybe. Hopefully not.
1: I mean, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if they didn't? Because they're talking about a sizable COLA, right? 10.5? Is that the latest you've heard on that for the Social latest, Security?
0: Yeah. 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 It's been floating around the eight, eight and a half to ten and a half. Okay. For the last few months. So, which is sizable. I mean, last this past year, you know, 5.9, the biggest we've seen in decades. And if we get anywhere between the eights and tens, you know, that's, that's 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 a big one. That's a big one. That's a big one. But the the uh, but the problem is that that increase has really um, been washed because your Medicare premiums. Increase right. So, you're-
1: yeah, that could be really good news, though. We don't know yet. But if they do adjust the premiums for next year.
0: Yeah, if they adjust the premiums. Um, Lower, right? So, if your if the Social Security premiums—that's Security premiums—if Social Security income is increased by, let's just say, ten percent, mm-hmm. but only your Medicare, but your Medicare Part B and Part D premiums, let's say, only increased by one percent, now 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 real money that that the retirees are seeing.
1: And then if inflation goes down,
0: oh, that's even better. That's even better. In fact,
1: we're going to talk about this very thing coming up. We'll take a very quick break, and simply to learn more about cloudvestors. But uh, on the uh, in the second segment of the podcast, you may be surprised to learn that inflation possibly isn't the biggest threat to your retirement accounts. Uh, Mo's going to break down, uh, break it all down, and of course, offer some tips to help you navigate this bump in the economy. Interest rates—we'll take a look at that coming up on Your Finances Untangled. Financial planning in all areas, including taxes, estate planning, insurance, cash flow, and budgeting. They even offer customized personal websites for clients. The technology of today while still maintaining that human touch. That's Cloud CloudVestors. That's cloudvestors.com. Your finances untangled in Mo Param of Cloud Vestors. Mo and the team working with people really all over. Uh, Because it doesn't matter where you are or where you live. To be a client with CloudVestors, you will get the human touch. But in all stages of their financial life, CloudVestors.com. Again, CloudVestors.com. I'm consumer advocate Dave Perkins. Inflation, of course, is an immediate obstacle. We feel it right now. It's something we can feel and see and touch and feel pain from. But... Um, that's possibly not the biggest potential problem that pre-retirees and retirees are facing these days. So, what is it? <laughs> Rising interest rates, maybe. Um, it, it, the way, if you're set up right for retirement, can't it be made somewhat immune to inflation?
0: In some aspects, it can be, because you know, if you think about where you're saving for for your retirement account you're saving in 401k's, IRAs, right? So you're saving in, in these or even brokerage accounts, right? So it's almost you're balancing it out. So, but yeah. you're saving in 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 accounts that are invested in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. Um, you know, the things that appreciate over time. And so if you're so if inflation is going up, then typically uh, you know, your your investments are going up too. Right, because you're investing in things like stocks bonds um, mutual funds ETFs and you know, even the, the even the equity of your home goes up right in yeah. in these in, in in higher inflationary periods so it's the so you feel inflation don't get me wrong you do feel inflation when you go to grocery stores right mm-hmm. when you go to the gas pump depending on you know you know we we saw it earlier we're still seeing it now right like, it's been decreasing recently, but you know you you feel inflation. But as you're saving for retirement, right? It's not really it's not the inflation that's that's the biggest threat, right? It's the the rising interest rates that can really play an impact to your to your saving strategy.
1: And how uh, can can you break down some ways that it could be a threat? The rising interest rates.
0: So so when you think about rising interest rates, the so when interest rates are rising, essentially what that means is that, well, so, so I'll take a step back. So when, when inflation is increasing right now, mm-hmm. like, like, it, like it is right now, what the Feds are trying to do is, is reduce inflation. Mm-hmm. And so they raise interest rates essentially to discourage, to discourage people from you know, spending money. So, you know, if it costs too much to go to the gas, to, to get gas, then maybe people stop driving as much in the carpool. If it costs too much to, um, uh, for, for flights, right? If, the, if the, your, the flights cost too much, then people will start thinking about whether um, I should take this trip or not. So it just makes the consumer stop to think twice. And if, if they stop spending, it brings inflation down. But essentially what's happening is it's this it's there's less money going into the economic cycle. There's less there's less there's less money being moved around. And by doing that, but the default to it is that some companies end up being less profitable because people aren't spending or aren't buying their products, aren't using their services. And so you'll start seeing that companies, you know, projections of earnings start to decrease because well, we're not selling as much product. We're not getting as new customers. And so the companies that now that you're investing in aren't as profitable as they would as they were before because interest rates are rising. And therefore, the investments, your stocks, start to feel that pressure. And you may see your stocks not being as valuable as it was before because the companies you're investing in aren't as profitable.
1: So you, you, you see the potential... I mean you're feeling the the high prices right now and you would think that in and of itself would be enough to get people to slow down but apparently it's not so you you and I know this is the tool possibly the only tool the Fed has in battling inflation but so it's more of a some semi long-term effect by the um the effects of raising interest rates and what it could have on your investments. It's not like someone's at the gas pump going, I'm not going to fill up this time. I'm only going to put $10 in because those interest rates are going up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's actually not so much immediately affecting uh, John Q citizen at the gas pump. It's right. more of a semi long-term effect.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, if you're in, if you are investing in, um, gosh, I don't know. I'm trying to give an, I'm trying to give an example, but, you know, you, you're inv- you're investing in companies in in some aspects because you ex- you're anticipating that they're going to be they're going to be growing over time. And so you're, you're, in, you're you want to participate in that growth. Mm-hmm. Well, if people aren't buying their products. Or if um, um, yeah, if people aren't if people aren't buying products, okay. Again, remember the feds are trying to make it so expensive so people stop spending. So if people stop spending and stop using your services, then you start potentially forecasting not making it not as much earnings. So this company that you thought was going to be, you know, this profitable is not as profitable. So the stock suffers. Right, so that's that's the that's the challenge. Yeah. Not necessarily, you know, bacon. Bacon is now up fifty <laughs> percent right. from from when it was you know six months ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I know that you know we the markets were really scared a while back, not too long back, but when the jobs market still did better than expected, and then they were yeah. they were a little scared and made nervous by. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell and his comments about some pain that it could cause. But here's actually Federal Reserve Bank of New York President John Williams uh, talking to The Wall Street Journal, outlining what he believes needs to happen to get interest rates down.
0: We do need to get real interest rates. That's the interest rate adjusted for inflation above zero. Uh, We need to have a somewhat restrictive policy to slow demand. And we're not there yet. Um, so if you think about next year, if inflation is a, somewhere between two and a half and 3%, a lot lower than now, but that's uh, kind of a forecast that I think is reasonable. You're thinking about having interest rates uh, that are uh, you know well above that because it's the interest rate minus the inflation rate tells you what the real interest rate is. So we're so quite a ways from that.
1: Well, now if you know, I, I love his prediction on inflation, right?
0: I mean, that yeah. was very uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. But what happens if we
1: hit if we go back down to that, and then so we could expect interest rates to go back
0: down, or? Well, I mean that's that's the it, it, that's the goal, right? The goal is to hopefully bring the rates back down because um, we, we saw what happened, right? When the, when interest rates were were at its lowest levels, we saw what the how the economy was. We yeah. saw the stock was stock market was booming right 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 because interest rates were for darn near zero yes right. so so and that and during that season we saw the the best market uh in u.s history right i mean the, the bull the bull market that we just experienced was the was the best yeah and so you know if everyone looked at their portfolios you know it it was just up, up up just green arrow green arrow green arrow i mean like Anything you invested in was was a winner in some aspects, so if we can get the interest rates back down um you know hopefully right re- history repeats itself and and we get back to a more um strong bull market and and everyone will be happy with that. You know, speaking of history,
1: uh, my father and my parents grew up in the Depression. My father fought in World War II, and that part of the 20th century really active. I'm not saying good, but it was active. I actually grew up in a, a more quiet time, you know, the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s. Uh, yeah, things were going on, absolutely, 70s, early 70s. We still had the Vietnam War. We had, like, the energy crisis, the Arab oil embargo in the 70s, uh, Watergate, stuff like that. Still quiet. Look at how, look at what's happened so far in the 21st century, and we're only 22 years in. Think about, we've had a great, of course, we had the horrible nine eleven attack. We had right. a Great Recession. We had a right. worldwide pandemic, and we're only 22 years into this century.
0: Yeah, yeah, we had a a, a dot com bubble, right? Right, that lasted three years. Um, yeah, we've had uh, what's it Brexit, where all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 we've had a lot. We've really had a lot. I of mean,
1: wars of and years. everything. It has been. I, I don't know if this, and maybe it'll be like the 20th century. It started out active with two world wars. And then the the second half, not as active, and maybe we can hopefully expect that. But let's look at where we are now. So what are, can you run down some tips to just protect the portfolio today?
0: All right. And this is, and this and you you make a good point about all these moving parts that are happening in the world. Yes. Well, this is why your financial plan needs to be flexible enough to adapt to these. Living and breathing. It's a living and breathing thing. So, you know, one is you want to. So you mentioned about tips, right? So the thing, one thing you want to do is just look and see, one, how are you currently allocated? Or do you have anything in your portfolio that's hedging against inflation? Uh, sorry, not inflation, rising interest rates. Do you have anything in your portfolio that's going to hedge against, um, against rising uh, interest rates? And if you don't have any, it's time for us to possibly slide some of those, some of those options inside your plan. You know, um, you want to start looking at you know, um, cyclical investments. We, you, you may have heard a term like value, value-based investments. Uh-huh. Well, they these are you know essentially big brands that you that we all know, we all love, and but they they consistently give up positive earnings over time. Um, likely, their business is going to be around forever, uh, and they're usually safer uh, for the long term, even in even in um, volatile markets that we're experiencing right now. So those are the things. So those are two areas that immediately that I can think of, and there's more. We can, we can run down a list, but immediately those are two things that you want to do: see if you have anything in your portfolio that's going to hedge against interest rates, and really start digging down into some value-based investing.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I'm glad that the plans are living and breathing. They certainly need to be because it just seems like we don't know what's around the corner anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, you know, I actually this is a true story. I spoke all of our stories true, but this is a true story. <laughs> right. uh, last Friday, I I spoke with an individual um, hoping you know we're we're engaging and and seeing if this if our firm is a good fit for him. Uh, younger guy, about forty five years old, uh, but he has seven hundred thousand dollars in cash. All right. In cash right, though, in, yes, cash. in cash, in cash. Uh, oh, that's that's not an all right. That's uh that's not an all right. With know, he's losing money safely. He's he's losing money safely exactly, and so you know he's he's saving in his um, in his employer's account, um, not much, to be honest. He's getting a really solid match. He works for the, he works for um, uh, a local college, so they have you know, the state of uh, Georgia has uh, a really nice. Um, retirement plan. But anyway, um, he gets a really sizable match, but he, his contributions aren't that much. So what he's been doing is, you know, paying off debt, his home is completely paid for, but he's been just literally just stocking cash, 700,000. Not making
1: much on it or
0: anything. It's not even in a high interest savings account. Maybe Mm. it's literally sitting in your traditional savings. Oh man, Uh, 700,000? 700,000. And so, and so that's something that you that literally is not hedging against rising interest rates. No, it's not. You said you're losing money safely. So you want to get some of your cash working for you. I mean, that's something that you want to do during this this, this period right now. Get your money that's just literally sitting dormant, right? I'm not talking about your emergency fund, right? That's the money you break glass in case of emergency. But once you've hit that threshold, that six months, nine months of your expenses, even a year, right? Depending on you know, what your comfortability level is. But there's a point where you have too much cash.
1: And, and let's
0: get that money that, work
1: for you. That 45-year-old has too much cash. I mean, kudos to him on however he saved that.
0: Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's got and one. I it, and I showed him how he's running out of, that that's not a good fact for him, um, a good place for him to save because we did a cash flow analysis. Yeah, And they said, if you continue saving the way you're saving right now, And we just added in, you know, I think we did a 3% inflation compounding between now and the time he retires and the income needs that he needs. He runs out of money. He runs out of money by like 60 something. Oh, that'll that'll open your eyes. Yeah, because he wanted to retire around in 10 years. He wanted to retire at 55. So he doesn't even make it to 70. Oh, man. Wow. Because the money's not earning. What did he say when you showed him that? Eyes were wide open.
1: I bet so. Yeah, but he's young enough; he's got time to really turn this thing around.
0: Yeah, he's good. The good thing for him is he's he has a good hedge start. I mean, like if you had seven hundred thousand at forty-five years old in a four hundred one k or an IRA or, or in the stock market somewhere or another, where right, You'd say to yourself, "I have a good head start." He just has seven hundred thousand in cash. Hmm. So let's get, which is a good. You're right. It's a good. He, he's he's already proven the ability to save right he's already proven the ability that he has discretionary income to save at these at these levels so we just need to so we're we're just dis, we're discussing on ways to invest right we even talked about yeah, maybe putting some into some dividend strategy you know dividends are you know basically a share of profits from companies mm-hmm. um, and so if you're looking for ways to you know, invest ways to take advantage of where we are right now. Dividend investing is a good place to be. You know, um, that strategy actually year to date has been one of the best strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, most co- think about it. If you're if you're investing in a dividend company, well, companies that pay dividends, they've got to have they have to have a good balance sheet. They've got to be profitable to right. keep your earnings. Right. So strong companies. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, all really good points here. And 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 to be fair to the 45 year old, and you said he, he does he teach at a college? Yes. Well, so he's got his area of expertise. We don't all know these strategies. I mean, we were always told to save. So he may be thinking, look at this. Look uh, what. And he did do a good job saving that much money. But he doesn't know the stra- all of the strategies possibly available to him. And that's where sure. CloudVestors comes in. To help exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Exactly. It's not, you're right. Everyone has their own specialties, um, things that they're really great at. And, you know, our role, our job is not to wag fingers, it's just to, you know, share our knowledge right. and, and be a valuable resource to our clients.
1: Cloudvestors.com, cloudvestors.com. Easy to navigate your way around the uh, website and certainly to schedule an initial consultation. Well, Mo, we're recording on the Friday before Labor Day weekend, and I hope that you have a uh, an outstanding weekend.
0: Well, you too, Dave.
1: Yeah. Are you, uh, do you have Monday
0: off? Yeah. Going yeah Monday off. Not 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 sure what we're doing. Maybe grilling out, you know, taking advantage of, you know, weather's starting to cool down a little mm-hmm. bit, which is good. So I So, take advantage of the, hopefully, it's not raining here in Atlanta. It's been raining, yeah. Um, you know, it feels like it's been raining every day for the last two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we, if the clouds uh, participate with us, we'll grill out, maybe enjoy the pool, um, watch some college football.
1: Yeah, that's right. Go, <laughs> that's right.
0: Let's go, baby.
1: Oh, man, it's we're in that good season. I love the time of the year we're coming into. I really I do. Know. It is my favorite. Have a happy
0: Labor Day weekend, Mo. Thank you, thank you, Dave, and uh, for all listeners out there, always. Thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, um, and catch us on our new show, Your Retirement Untangled. Uh, it's going to, if you're locally in Atlanta, W-X-I-A. 11 uh, Alive. 11 Alive. That's the NBC affiliate. So we were uh, on Fox Saturdays at 1230, but now we're, we're moving to Fridays, 1230 on 11 Alive. That's so you so and Andrew Nida on the me show. Me and Andrew. Me and Andrew. So uh if you're in the area in the Atlanta area, uh catch us again twelve thirty, uh twelve thirty on Fridays starting next Friday, the ninth, on um NBC basically eleven alive.
1: Cool. I like that. Uh, that's that's a great time. So congratulations on that. So that will start next Friday. And of course, uh, Friday's the day we drop this podcast each and every Friday. Thanks for being with us on Your Finances Untangled. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. New episodes of Your Finances Untangled are available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts